Hey, it's Fitzdog Radio time. I don't know what time that is for you. It could be the afternoon. Maybe you're walking the dog. Maybe you're working out. Maybe you make love to your wife or your husband and you keep this on your headphones. Whatever it is, I'm glad to share it with you. Thank you for bringing me into your ears for so many years. Great podcast today. Lewis Black, one of my heroes, one of my dear friends, is on the podcast. It's been a while. He's been on many times, but it's been a minute. Um, I'm getting over the Giants' loss last night. Uh, brutal. The New York Giants, who were, I think they were 14-point underdogs, and they took the Buffalo Bills to the final seconds of the game, and they blew, they blew it on the first half. They got this quarterback, uh, Tyrod Taylor, who is was a rocket scientist. That's what he got his degree in, rocket science in college, and yet didn't know with 14 seconds on the clock and no timeouts not to run the ball at the one-yard line at halftime to kick a field goal or to try to throw it so the clock stops if the guy drops the fucking ball. Anyway, they lost. It was very sad. I'm not going to belabor it. It was a good football day otherwise. Uh, the, my Rams won. Got the Chargers tonight. And uh, I don't know if you guys are football fans, but this is an exciting time of the year because anybody's still in it. I'm still in my pool. I, I had four... Entries into the pool, a survivor pool. Three of them are knocked out. I got one left, and uh, I won it last year. So who knows? We'll see. I was spending a lot of time at home. Not really. I was just away, but I feel like I'm home a lot because I'm alone. My kids are both out working. My wife has had COVID for two weeks now and not showing any signs of getting better. She's dragging. She's flu-like. It's brutal. It's really hard on me. And I hope you guys can keep me in your thoughts and your prayers. Uh, I'm sleeping on the couch. On a couch. My daughter adopted a dog, or she's fostering a dog that sheds everywhere. I'm allergic. I'm sleeping on the couch. I'm fucking sneezing all night. Well, so is my wife. But she's got COVID. I, I've got allergies. It's hard. And I don't know what to do for her. I'm cooking, I'm cleaning, I'm shopping, but she's not getting any better. So we'll see. Um, it's sober October in our house. My wife and kids are not imbibing or smoking or doing anything all month. My son has a tequila bottle on his dresser. He's waiting for Halloween night. To break out, I got the I got the tequila bottle. I did a benefit this week for Martin Lawrence. Did a benefit. I was uh, kind enough to ask me to be on, and it was uh, it raised a lot of money. Had some big name acts. It was a lot of fun, and uh, they gave us each a tequila bottle. I can't remember the name, but it's like a two hundred dollar bottle of tequila, and I don't drink. So I bought it home and I gave it to the family and they're going to gobble that shit down soon. I miss out. My family parties a lot. There's a lot of drinking around the house. There's a lot of merrymaking. And I'm just like the guy who cleans up. I should be the fun guy. I can't wait till I'm 65. I'm going to start drinking again. You'll see. You'll notice a difference in the podcast. Or I should say the lack of podcast. Um... At the benefit, it was pretty funny because I got off stage and then somebody was like, uh, you know Ob Obama's daughter is in the audience, right? And I'm like, what? Like, I forgot they moved to, both of them moved here. Sasha and Malala? Is that her name? I don't know. But they moved here and one of them was at the show and I was doing jokes about somebody coming on somebody's tits and I felt it, I felt like, oh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done that. And then someone goes, well, she's seen it all. I'm like, I don't think she has. I think we got to protect her. Um, I'm about to do a radio tour for the Road Dog movie. If you haven't seen it, it's on all the streamers. Check out the Road Dog starring Doug Stanhope. 
Uh, it's a really good, it's a great watch. It's dark and it's fun. It's really well done. Check it out. And I'm going to do a radio tour to promote it, I think, this week. I'm also coming out to you guys in D.C. I'll be at the Arlington Draft House. All my cousins are coming out. I always talk about Denny McCarthy, my cousin who's the golfer. His whole family, the McCarthys, are coming out. And then my cousin Terry Ann and her husband Bob, who are the most fun people you've ever met. They're driving way, they're driving up from like three hours away. I think they're in Richmond and they're driving up to DC for the show. And then Magoobies in Baltimore on October 22nd. Uh, Houston at the Riot, November 3rd and 4th. Bakersfield, Austin. I'm taping my special at the Mothership, November 17th through the 19th. Come on out, Austin. San Francisco at the Punchline, November 30th through December 2nd. Those are going to sell out. Get your tickets now. Fort Worth in December, Atlanta in January. All tickets at FitzDog.com. We got over. I'm going to skip the overheards. And let's get straight to why, if you're going to see me, I don't know if you can see me on Game Time, but Game Time is the way you should be getting your tickets for all your sporting events, all of your concerts, all of your theater it is a way to not stress out. Don't worry that you're not getting a good price. The price will come to you with game time. You wait it out. They got these flash deals and these last-minute tickets, and you can check out your seats from the The app is amazing. It's so easy to use. A couple of taps. It downloads. You don't have to transfer. You don't have to print. It's all there for you. They got a guarantee if you find tickets in the same row and section for less so uh, don't hesitate. Uh, right now, I'm looking at tickets for. We're going to Nash. I'm going to Nashville tomorrow, and we're going to see Jason Isbell and Wheeler Walker Jr. Looking at those tickets, I'm going to get them on game time. I'm going to save money, and you know, have some fun with your life. I don't care how much savings you have. Going to see live entertainment. There's nothing better. And now, game time takes the guesswork out of buying the tickets. Uh, download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code FITSDOG for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code FITZDOG for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, let's get to him. Louis Black, he's a two time Grammy Award winning comedian, actor, writer. Uh, he's got a new special out called Tragically I Need You, and uh, he's on a big tour as well. You know him from The Daily Show. I think he's been on The Daily Show like from the beginning, and is still he survived like three hosts, and uh, he's got a rant cast. Um, what else? He's been in a lot of movies, Inside Out, um, Man of the Year. I don't know. He's done it. He's done a lot, but he's one of the greatest living comedians today. And I'm so happy that uh, he is on the podcast. We had a great talk last week at the Comedy Store. Here he is, the great Lewis Black. My guest, Louis Black, sits in the green room of the main room at the Comedy Store in Los Angeles, California, Hollywood, California. Um, he's never performed here, which blows my mind. Yeah, I've made it. This is really <laughs> thanks to I finally, after years, yeah. get into the green room. Right. This and Gladys's on 51st Street in New York. That was the first place I ever did stand-up in New York. What's the first place you ever did? Well, you were a West Beth guy before no, you were a comedy no. club guy, right? No, I was West Beth, but no, I was not doing comedy clubs, but I would go around to places that would do. Before I got to West Bank, right. I, I would do. I ran another room, which was called Sylvette's. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, right. Uh, and it was, in the, it, it was in the West Village, and I had... Uh, you know, I would literally wander around and uh, find people, and there were people I knew who did stand up. But I had just arrived in New York, and but I knew folks from before, from DC and around. But I was not a stand up in right. any way. But I, I just wanted to run the room and kind of have a place and where I could do all sorts of things, and uh, 
and I had all these very talented friends from theater. So okay. we would do these things. Rusty the McGee? Rusty, but Rusty at that point wasn't in town. Okay. But he was, later we, we did work at the West Bank together, but, but, um, but I got, uh, Susan Vega came in and sang. Uh-huh. Uh, Chris Whitley, who was this really incredible like he was around for five or six years and passed away. A young kid who was like playing in the park, uh-huh. and I brought him in. He was, you know, one of those uh, like like a Stevie Ray Vaughan kind of a guitarist, and right. he would come in on his own and just play. Yeah. And uh, and then eventually did four or five albums, right. and uh, and then I just bring people in. What is this like? The late eighties? This was uh, yeah. This was eighty. Um, 82, 83, something okay. like that, 84. So not that much after the improv was starting and doing the same kind of thing in terms of music and comedy yeah. together. Yeah, and I was doing this because I didn't, um, when I didn't really, uh, I, I wasn't up for, I, when I, 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 I didn't audition for those till later because I just wanted to run, run the room so that I could do something other than just stand up because right. I was theater driven. Right, right. And then, uh, but I played this place, I can't think of the name of it, one of those. But there were those rooms like Gladys's. Uh-huh. I played one of those rooms yeah. where it was music and, uh, and some, some acts and uh, some comics. And uh, I, did it, I did those from time to time. Right. After, right. after Silvette's faded and before the, the West Bank came yeah. into being. We're starting to say before we started this, I mean, I've been looking forward to seeing you so much because yeah. you just... <laughs> You're just like, you know, I remember being in New York. I got to New York in like 92. I, I was in Boston the first few years. Yeah. When I came down, I just remember there was always a fucking welcoming stool at Caroline's. It was like you and Attell and yeah. Gaffigan and Geraldo and Colin Quinn. And there was no, um, there was no friction about being a young comic. There was just this camaraderie instantly. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. You were very welcoming. Yeah, you know? well, well, because it was like, well, because I was making a living finally. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> that, that yeah, yeah. No, but it was also the the, the whole group was a great group, and yeah. everybody. I'll tell you what else helped define it was is that everybody, you know, uh, all of us had a completely different voice. Right. Nobody. There was no overlap. Right. From David Tell to me to Gaffigan. I mean, I can remember. Um, and you watched each other enough that you could watch somebody grow. Right. So it was fun. It wasn't like we were, you, you didn't watch people go, you know, become shittier. They all got really better. And I re, I'll never forget that Gaffigan started doing that uh, inner voice. Yes. You know, where he's commenting on himself. Yeah. And to be able to go up and go, you know, that's, I said, that's huge, Jim. That's like a huge, I mean, that's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Well, I'm, although I have to say, like, Meany did that as well. Yeah, Meaty did the mother voice, but, yeah. commenting on the, on the act as it went, but yeah. Jim did it in a way that was like completely different. What well, was it? It was two different boys. One was the mother voice, yeah. Kevin's, and Jim's was the kind of that little kid inside him going, "You're an asshole." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. And then he would also alternate that with somebody in the audience who was like from Nebraska, yeah. who was like, "What are you doing? Yes. This isn't comedy." Yeah. <laughs> but what's funny is when you're in New York. There's a back row that you sit in and you watch the comics. L.A., nobody's in the room. They're all in the hallways, networking. Is that right? You know, trying to get on each other's yeah. podcasts. Whatever. <laughs> and so, like, people aren't as aware. And I think because of that, comics don't push themselves to do new material as much. Because in New York, you're embarrassed if David Tell's sitting in the back and you're doing the same shit yeah. that you've been doing for three years. Yeah. You know? So when you develop a new act, I know most of your stuff is really pen and paper. Before you go on the road, yours is like very much thought out and beat it. Now you come up with it on stage? No, I, it's all on stage. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Um, isn't that, I write on stage. Wow. And I'm glad I fooled you. Yeah. yeah I, I really don't write it down. I think about it. Right. And I think, and I come up with an idea or something pisses me off. So. Yeah. So recently it was, let's just say I've got, uh, I just did this thing outside, it's band book week. And so I did this thing that I've been doing in the set where I've just started to talk about band books. Right. 
So I was thinking, you know, and so it's banned books. And the first line that was in my head, you know, was because, you know, you want to ban your books because it's worked out so well for the Germans. So it's a stupid line, you know, it's like, but it's such an easy setup. But right. it's but it's also I don't know how many people really said that. Yeah. And it's so simple. It's one of those things that I go, that's that's uh, it's uh, it, it's it's it's. It, it's so simple, it's elusive in a way. I went, yeah. I'll, well, let's try that. And then they go, blah. And, and then I kind of just add on to that yeah. as I go along. Right. You know? uh, and then they add on because the people were, I'm, what they I write, write about is right. It's, most of it's being written now right, right. without my help. Yeah. You know? They're giving you the premise. Well, I mean, you're going to ban, you know, you, well, you probably know, in Florida, there you can't read a whole in in high school unless there's a there's a way in which you can but it's difficult you have to go through some rigmarole you they they do not teach uh you don't read a whole shakespeare play you only read sections why because there's some sections they don't there's agree sec- yeah. with yeah no shit isn't that unbelievable because they're gay no uh that i don't know i don't know what they but the ones like macbeth you know, I guess the violence, whatever. Um, suicide. Right? Yeah, suicide. But, to be or not to but, be. But yeah, but the one that was great is is that it was what started me off was Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Which they banned. Because she was but, underage. Sex. Yeah. Not that, not that she, you know, that probably didn't cost me much. But that, they commit suicide at the end. Yeah. If you're going to do it, nice. that would be, so I kind of, so, so I'm fooling around now with, so if it's suicide, you know, why wouldn't you go to suicide? Just show some modicum of intelligence. Instead, they're talking about the sex in it, and then I go on and on. And so it's yeah. finding, and, and then you start going back. So part of me goes back to when you've got a whole audience that read it. Yeah. And 90% of them didn't understand it. Oh, right, you know, so you've got right. this whole in, and then you just start, I start to find the jokes there. Right, right. And that's right. kind of the way I build yeah. something. Right, and then it's almost like, um, you know, a cat with a with a piece of yarn. Like, once you give me that laugh, I'm going to chase it. Yeah. I'm going to, whatever instinct made you a comedian from day one, the adrenaline, the dopamine drip that you get from that it, laugh it, yeah. makes you go like, okay, well, oh, what about this too? Yeah. And when it doesn't work, it doesn't hurt that much because the risk reward is so great. Yeah. And it hits. When it hits, it's huge. Yeah. You know. And then you listen to it later and you go... All right, that's good. And then you do it again and nothing. Yeah. And what do you do when that happens? Uh, do you keep working it? I keep working it. Yeah. I go, it's like um, you try it and then I try it again. And if the, and then by the third time, I tell them outright, uh-huh. you know, you've now killed a joke. So I've, spent, <laughs> I've spent two weeks working this out. And you officially are the last ones that I've, I've you are the slaughterhouse. <laughs> <laughs> we're done. You're the Grim Reaper. Yeah. You, yeah. But that, but that's always the way I've kind of worked. I've worked. Dude, what a great special that would be if you took all those jokes and the, you put them in an hour. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But you flush them. That's the problem. Yeah, you don't even, right, you know. Right. Yeah. Uh, but, but that's, so I, my, my pa- so I fill my paper with like just little word, you know, words that yeah. will remind me of what it is, uh, that I want to talk about, right. you know, what there's some are a joke. So it's that, 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 and I've got a three or four words and some are just, here's the thought, you know, and, uh, so it never gets beyond that. There's never a document where you start to really lay out before a special or something, all the words. No, I mean, I, I do, um, it's, it's 90% bullet points before it, you know, uh, it gets written out, but I find I, this is what I find. If I start to try to memorize it, uh, I'm fucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then it becomes, I don't, I, I get, I'm so worried about getting it right that I don't get it right. right. And then what broke it open in terms of that was as I went, uh, I'm the only one who knows if it's right or wrong, schmuck. So just get up there and say it. Right. Right. And if you screw it up, then go back. You know, that was the great thing about doing those those ones, the specials, was yeah. you drop back 10 and go, okay, uh, sure. I'm not, that was, I screwed that up, we're gonna do this again. Right, and the yeah. crowd loves and it. And the crowd goes, yeah, 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 you know. I think you and I did the very first season of the Comedy Central Half Hour Special. Yeah, we did. Yeah, it yeah. was me, you, Wanda Sykes, Mitch Hedberg, Sue Murphy, remember Sue wow, Murphy? Wow, that's right. She was great. Well, and, did it tell? Or, uh, uh, I don't think it was a no, tell. No, no, it wasn't. No. 
Um, and those were, you know, at the time I thought, all right, this is just an extended premium blend. This is just like, who, no one's going to watch this. Yeah. Fucking people watch us to this day. Yeah. I get more people coming out of shows going 1997, your yeah. half hour special. Like I, I yeah. watched it over and over again. And nowadays comedy central is like the daily show is huge. People watch because they watch clips, but the specials, they only air them a few times. Yeah. They don't, it's not like a Netflix special where it gets viral and you can yeah. go to it anytime. You know, and now your specials, you've done them all over the place though, right? Yeah, I've kind of wondered about that. Epics but, and fucking. I, I went to Epics. Like well, that. because yeah. Epics made the offer. You know, right. you kind of go, great. Yeah. Right? And you're the first one, so they put all this stuff and energy yeah. into it. And then you go, well, this is interesting because they're using me as bait to get people to watch right. Epics, and then people aren't watching Epics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I did, I did one that I did because uh, it was kind of like when I was kind of in this sweet spot and I was trying to get out. I really wanted HBO and, and, and Netflix and the others didn't exist. Netflix didn't exist. Amazon Prime didn't exist. And so I, I basically it was a pay-per-view and that yeah. and that was like minor suicide. But there was but I and eventually we got it onto something that, yeah. you know, but it was like in, there were no there was no place to put it. Right. You know, comedy, right. comedy central. It wasn't at that point it was no we're not doing these for a while and all yeah. of that and hbo had, had the you know the hbo had uh the, the guy who was like my fan at hbo I, whose name is going to escape me chris albert uh, chris albert yeah. yeah he he was gone you know they let yeah. him go and when he, they let him go boom i was out right uh, so because you when i think of hbo as a brand for comedy you think immediately of carlin i mean yeah. that's the guy and then I think about who is the logical extension of George Carlin. It's you. I mean, that that seems like that should have been your home all these years. Well, it was two years. Both of them did really well. Yeah. And then it was like, and then, they, you know, they said, um, we're only doing people who have TV shows. That was what they told me. Well, Because that's what's the best stand-up comedy, right? People yeah. that do other shit? Yeah, really. I mean, right. It was like, so, and 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 this is, and I, I will, and I, Netflix won't, Netflix completely rejected me. Yeah. Uh, Always did. You never had a Netflix special. No shit. Gee, we really, the, the line was, God, you know, I don't know how Lewis got lost in the shuffle. <laughs> go, okay. All right. You are the shuffle. You idiots. Yes. And it was that kid, and we, we what's his name? The, uh, the kid from... Um, from Montreal? Yeah. Yeah. Whose name also escapes me. And right. uh, he, he was put in charge, and it's kind of like... I never shit on you. Yeah, I didn't right. do any. Come on. Right, right. Are you kidding me? No, and then you look at the new specials coming out, and it's some kid from, you know, a third world country that's been doing it for six years, and the entire thing is a premise. Yeah. It's all, it's all an autobiography. There's no jokes. And that's what they're going for. So the beautiful thing is you do a special now, and you throw it up on YouTube, and you hit all the podcasts, and you're going to get... 50 times the viewership you would have gotten on Comedy Central. Yeah. And you have total control of it. There's yeah. no notes. You decide when it drops. That's the big thing. But yeah, yeah, that's the big thing. And then Amazon Prime. I right. put my stuff on Amazon Prime and then people had to pay for it because Amazon Prime wouldn't do it. Oh, is that it, right? Yeah. You get a piece of that action when they pay for it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you do. I mean, it was like, uh, and I didn't have any choices. You know, you guys, hello. Yeah. And, uh, and then now with Amazon Prime, because I was trying to not go on YouTube, I'd like to have gotten Amazon Prime to be the one. And they, they, they have a, somebody who was producing at that point when I was trying to get this last one on, uh, tra- you know, the one that's on YouTube, plug, tragically, uh, I need you. So they, yeah. um, they uh, basically, uh, it, they, the, the one who was the producer, they uh, hired a single producer and you had to go with that producer and in a sense, the producer, that producer owned it. Yeah. And right. I'm not doing that. Right. I, the, right. the one thing I've come out with is, is uh, whatever I've lost in terms of, uh, of things, I, uh, I, own, uh, I own everything. Right. You mean now you do, but you didn't back then. No, now I, no, I did. I started oh, to. I, I, no, not always, but I started to. Right, right. You know, and yeah. then I, you work long enough and the Comedy Central thing reverts back to you. Right, right, right. <laughs> exactly. And the funny thing about Comedy Central is nobody's got a library 
like they do yeah. of comedy. They've got all of us when we started, yeah. when we were in the middle, when we were big. Yeah. And yet their website is unintelligible. It's all like this rich uh, video that takes forever to download. There's a million ads. You got to watch three ads before you see a clip. And they've they've basically squandered the best opportunity to be the place for comedy yeah. online. Yeah. I mean, I shouldn't say that because I'm never going to a special there, but, you know, um, so your last But it's special... true, though, and it's whether it survives or not, because they always keep right. saying, we don't know if Comedy Central's coming back. Right, right. And now that we're going through the strike thing, they don't know. Right. You know? Yeah. This only makes it crazier. Well, I know that they went union back about maybe 12 years ago. Well, longer, because I've, I've been union... On the on the Daily Show since I started. Oh, so you get paid as a writer as well as a. No, I got paid as SAG after. Oh, right, but I'm talking about the Writers Guild. Oh yeah, no, that's true. I think the Writers Guild because yeah. that's what becomes prohibitive for networks because yeah. the Writers Guild is expensive. Yeah. Worth it, as we just saw. Yes. But it's an expensive union, and uh, I know that uh, John Stewart had to shut down the Daily Show for a while because the inter it wasn't a Writers Guild strike; it was a. Comedy Central stripe right. of writers that walked off, right. and I think they were off the air for a minute. And John got pretty pissed about it, which I thought was kind of ironic. He was this voice of the progressive left, yeah. and he was angry at his writers for asking for a union. union. It's unbelievable. <laughs> so you've survived several hosts now on the Daily Show. All of them. Are you still doing it now? Yeah, I did it Jesus. right up until until the uh, you know, and through the pandemic, I was yeah. doing it. Wow. But I, I wasn't doing it as many times, but I was doing it because literally the, this is, you know, it's crazy because you, you, I've been on it 27 years. So if you add, Damn. so each year you get a raise. So yeah. I was, I made enough money. I was making enough money per episode that they were going, okay, you're only going to do five. <laughs> That's it. Uh, but it was, uh, so, and I'm supposed to, if we come out of the, the, the SAG after strike, I will be because right before the writers struck, I was supposed to come in two weeks later and host for three nights. Oh, I heard that. Right. So you're still going to do that. I'm sure if, um, that's now they're saying, you know, right. once the once the SAG after thing is over. Right. Uh, well, look, you're a Jew. They need some diversity hires. <laughs> yeah. You got to really play up that Jew thing. I don't. I, 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 I try. <laughs> It's hard because people think I'm Italian. I always did. Yeah, I always did for a long time. Same with Joy Behar. I was yeah. just the opposite. I yeah. just thought yeah. she was Jewish and she's actually Italian. Italian, yeah. yeah. Right, which drives her crazy. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, so the last special you did, that was great, the one coming out of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, with you cleaning all the boxes and at the beginning. <laughs> um, where did that come out on? Was that Amazon that, Prime? That, no, that came out on YouTube. Oh, it did. Because that was the one. That was the fastest I've ever written a special. Yeah. Six months. Mm -hmm. It never happens. I mean, it take two years if I'm lucky. Yeah. Six months, done. And then it took longer to find a place to put it. And finally, it was like, like this is, you know, my agents are, you know, well, we couldn't get it on here. We couldn't get it on here. But yeah. YouTube is really the wave of the future. And that's what you really got to do. Right. You got to put it on YouTube. That way, you're allowed. I said... I've been allowed to do this my entire career. I've yeah. been allowed. Yeah. Now this is going to give me freedom that I didn't. I'm, you know. Yeah, well, right. you're not going to have to get notes. I've hardly ever gotten yeah, right, notes. Right. Right. Please, just can we try? Yeah. And they didn't. You know, I said, and I really part of me was like, you're lazy. Yeah. And this should have been done when I was doing, getting ready to do the special. I mean, build get, the hype. Lewis is working on a special yeah, six months. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be fresh out of the pandemic. Yeah. yeah. And, and, but right. it was, so I put it on YouTube, which, yeah. you, and then you go, well, it's got a million views or a million, whatever. And that you kind of go, did they, is it a million views or a million? Like they just listen for 30 yeah. seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can track that. I think you can actually, YouTube has the, 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 uh, what do they call it? Die, uh, the Dynamic. logistics. Whatever it is. We've got two old guys sitting here trying to think of words. Yeah, but um, especially words that really just escape us <laughs> even before we got old. We wouldn't I, have known the fucking word. I had this game show that I sold, and then it didn't get picked up, and I resold, and it was called Ask Granny. That's great. And it's a grandmother who comes into the living room, and she's talking to a bunch of people, and she's telling a story. 
and she keeps getting stuck and she's like so anyway i was uh i, I was at that uh um uh, the ca- i was in the capital of washington what uh, what what is it what is it and she goes like that and you have to chime in and help her finish her yeah. story <laughs> did it work are they doing it no i mean you know it sounded like she had alzheimer's i think they were scared of it being like too alzheimer's oh come on that's the joke <laughs> i know especially since all you have to do is the intro is now kids do it right kids do it all the time yeah because they they because of the phones they've never read more than a paragraph in their lives yeah and so nothing coherent sticks with them yeah i got a son who's 22 and he's he's you reading. Have a 22 year old son yeah now i feel old yeah that's really freaky yeah yeah because your kids are supposed to be in my eye they should be 14 yeah right right same with me and and so my son is trying to read war and peace right now and i'm like all right you haven't read a book since huck finn junior year of high school how about like maybe some kurt vonnegut maybe a little uh you know uh casey boyle yeah. you know but you're gonna jump into war and peace so um so the, the tour you're doing now is fucking nuts, man. You're going like, that's what I want to ask you about your writing process, because yeah. when you're doing, you're doing four nights in a row in theaters, and then you're going home for a couple of days to wash your socks, yeah. and then you're coming yeah. back yeah. out again. And you're doing that for six months, basically. Yeah. So how much does the material morph over that time? I know you, you read things on, on stage every night, right? Yeah. You read yeah. I don't do that anymore. Oh, you don't? No, it oh, just okay. became too much, because... Yeah. Because it, it I was doing like an hour 10, and then I was going back and doing 20. So I was doing so 90 no minutes. opener? No, uh, no, I still had Stilson as opening. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and great to work with, and, and actually helps in terms of the writing. Sure. He really, one of on the, the best last spe- in TV. Yeah. Yeah. In yeah. one of the last specials, he said, uh, on the last special, he said, put this at the end. This is your this is your killer, and that's what you need. And it was like, yeah, I can't believe I'm like, you know, you're kind of this close to it. And uh, no, what a what a gift to have an opening it, it, act who, that can help craft your and, act. And who gives a shit? So, yeah. Uh, no, this is a guy who, if people don't know Jeff Stilson, he's yeah. one of Chris Rock's go-to guys. Yeah. I remember Chris Rock once said, you know, a lot of black guys get famous and they buy bling. He goes, I buy writers. Yeah. I mean, when he does a movie, there's. Chuck Sklar is sitting there yeah. and Frank Sebastiano and Stilson and yeah. he's, he's got this I mean there are no better writers than Chris Rock's writers and yeah. Stilson is like one of the Stilson top guys. is a major and yeah. uh, so um, you know it, it, it starts to morph uh, just over time so it's like I have like three things in a row that I know will be the um, right now are the center of it uh, and then I kind of know what I'm aiming for that I've kind of picked up as we've gone along. And so then it's then it's just kind of like adding in things that feed into that and, right. and trying to find the, the final what is the you know, what I'm trying to do in this in, in this in, in this in this pilot or this pilot, this uh, special is to really kind of get to uh, what it's like when what's happening is already funny and you're asking me to, to make right, it funny. It's right. already funny. Don't yeah. tell me to make banned books funnier than banned books already right, is. Right. And people go, well, that's not funny. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay, the fact that, that they're banning Romeo and Juliet is comedy. Right. All right. Yeah. I mean, there's, it's so indefensible. It's so over the top. Yeah. If you read about it, and I keep going, if you read it in a book, you'd be laughing. Yeah, it's The Onion. You're competing with The, the, the Onion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, what do they come up with? The Onion can't top the shit that Marjorie Taylor Greene is saying on yeah, a daily basis. On a daily basis. Yeah. So I'm trying to find that through line. Yeah. Uh, and that's really, and that's, and so over time, that's, that's the clothesline, and I just keep throwing dirty wash. When <laughs> I wash it, and I throw it up, and then it falls to the ground. Yeah. I got to go back and wash it again. So each special you've done, has there always been a through line and sort of a, a, a point to it? I hope so. Yeah. I mean, every special I've done, I hope tells a story. Yeah, that's really what I aim for. Nobody does that. <laughs> I mean, nobody does that on their specials. Once in a while, and somebody said to me, uh, I think it was Neil Brennan. He goes, all you got to do is bring up 
one idea at the beginning and at the very end hit it again and people go oh yeah he was talking about diversity he was talking about you know equal rights or whatever whatever it is and uh you know and again like the, the other thing about specials is they say front load it put all your good shit in the first 15 20 minutes because that's all nobody's watching an hour you know there's very like you're your fans are watching an hour because you're a one hour comedian. Yeah. You're a guy that builds something and there's something. But when you talk about guys that are just, or women, that are just doing jokes for 60 minutes, people are watching 20. That's it. Yeah. You know? So I think the idea now of people putting out uh, something shorter, like a, a, a bite sized chunk of comedy for 15 minutes four times a year is starting to make sense. Yeah. That's the new thing people are doing. Yeah, well, that's crazy. Yeah. Okay, because it's really, it's just, you got to, people will, if it's an hour, if it's a solid hour, people are watching, right. they turn it off. Or they watch it because it's, that you enrage them and they right. go, that son of a bitch, I knew he was yeah. a prick. Oh, he's right. a bigger prick than I, now I really realize what a son of a bitch he is. Right, right. You know, but my recently one of my f most favorite things that and, and it's trying this is the kind of a part of what I'm trying to get through in this thing that is that and, it, and, and, and it's one of these things that sticks in my head and it comes out about once every three shows so I know eventually because I'm, 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 first off I got to go find where I found it in, in you, know, you know you fall down those rabbit holes now where you yeah. kind of go oh there's something on the side of your email and there's like a thing and you go oh well, fuck i'm gonna look at yeah. it's an ad for something it's like you just stupidly start doing that rather uh -huh. than what you should do so i got i was looking at i was looking at um something that i had done some some show it was a response to the show it was on it was on my youtube channel that the, these responses one person came to the show and said they were they were disgusted by me. They could no longer be a fan. That I'd spent the whole night um, just uh, Trump bashing, mm -hmm. and it was that I don't need that kind of shit. Yeah. So okay, and then literally the next was uh, same show. I I went to watch Lewis last night. I can't tell you how disappointed I was. I was hoping that he'd spend the night bashing Trump. Right. He didn't say anything about him. Right. And you go. That's how fucked up we are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's how much we have to depend on... Let me turn off my phone. How much we That's have to depend all right. on our own... It could be... Maybe, maybe it's your agent telling us we've got real work. It's fucking Netflix. <laughs> they said we passed on black. We have space for you. <laughs> But that's how much you have to depend on, which is why I really love watching comics that a lot of people go, oh, I'm not a Republican. I'm, I'm a, what do they call themselves? Libertarians. Yeah. Or whatever. It's like, well, at least, good. At least you're trying. Yeah. At least you're trying to figure it out on your own. Like Shane Gillis is fucking great. And his, his new special, he's pissing off everybody. Yeah. You know, because... He does a trumpet, but you go, wait, is he shitting on him or is he glorifying him? I'm not really sure. And then, you know, there's this whole group, group of guys, you know, young guys out of New York, Sam, young to us, Sam Morrell yeah, and Mark yeah, Norman. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and they're really doing stuff that's hitting both sides. Yeah. But it's them. It's what they really think. And that's all you can do. Yeah. It's really it, you know. Because if you start to be the comic on the left, like... Uh, Hassan Minaj, is that the guy who's yeah. got in hot water? Yeah, he got in If you want to be that guy, they're going to find something on you. Yeah. The other side is going to dig up shit on you. Have you ever gotten stuff thrown at you? No, just just from the... Uh, the only just thing from... that was thrown at me was when uh, the, the, the Trump, the people who had been my fans... Yeah. Uh, who, who always said, God, it's so great, you go after both sides. Yeah felt that you know you don't go but literally went you don't go after trump right and then right. and started showing up at the shows and yelling and couldn't really yeah no shit that was a regular thing that happened yeah for a while i was and then which is why in that the new in the special that i have have out now is is that i that was the speech i do every night which is a speech i do for all comics, which is, this is what happens when you go to a show. Yeah. Here's what you have to do. You haven't been out in a long time, and now you're going to yeah. have to remember, and you're going to have to, you know, shut the fuck up. And it was all about shutting the fuck up. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. And that's and that's it. People pay good money. You know, I know it's a shock. Yeah. My, my, I have an audience here that's overpaid. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. In these seats. And, but that's the kind of it, you know, and because it was happening. And then when I came, well, after the pandemic, I was not going to put up with it anymore. I'm tired of it. You don't get to do that. Well, it's sort of like, you know, art by definition is life through somebody else's perspective. And when that movie, uh, Barbie, the Barbie movie came, yeah. okay, here's this director, who's, here's this director who has proved herself a number of times as being one of the best yeah, in the yeah. business. And now she's going to take on a, an iconic figure that has always been, you know, a lightning rod for like, oh, she's you know, she's giving women a bad body image and other people saying, well, this is wholesome Americana. And she took it on and the right decided that this was somehow an affront to them. And it became a political film. It was a movie about dolls. It was a silly, colorful, inventive movie that had a point of view. It was it a female a really, director. And had a fun. really good and had a great speech that yeah. every, every young girl, I said it, there are two things that I thought were, you know, I wanted to write a book or, a, a, you know, it might even just be a chapter where you kind of go through where movies, but like Inside Out, which I did, I always thought was stunning because when you and I were born and raised, no one talked about emotions. Right. It wasn't even right. discussed, yeah. you know, and so all of a sudden you had to being thrown in front of five year olds. This is what's going on in you. Yeah. And that to me was breakthrough. That to me was massive. Right. You know, I, I said, that was like, to me, I said, you know, that would have saved me 30,000 in therapy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just thought yeah. I was hungry. Right. Uh, and then you go to Barbie and you've got her speech about women and, uh, and you kind of go, wow, I, that, that, that speech was somebody wrote it. They wrote it. Well, yeah. everybody, everyone who's been through that time frame as you and I have, and especially women, that's a five-year-old, 10-year-old girl hearing that yeah. her life has changed. Right, right. She didn't have to go through all of this shit mm -hmm. to get to the thought, the yeah. thoughts there it's done. Let's move on. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and you're right was... about that. And then they make it. And that's not what they, you know, and they don't even focus on that. They always kind of, right. they're like firing guns. Of, can I help you aim? Yeah. Well, can I help you aim? And can I help you see that you're allowed to go on somebody else's ride without yeah. necessarily becoming that person? Yeah. yeah. You can say, oh, wow, this is how some people think about this. I may not agree with it. I may not support it. But I don't have to get angry and protest against it. Yeah. It can exist. So um, I was thinking about uh, you and the Friars Club. You know, the Friars yeah, Club yeah. recently went out of business. And we had, God, we had a lot of good times. Boy, there. that was great. Yeah. I mean, we, they used to do and these And we should shows. explain. We should explain for those out there who probably don't even know uh, the Friars Club was a was really literally the 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 the, uh, the as close as comics came to a union. Right. You know? Yeah, it was a union. <coughs> it was a it was a resource. It was definitely a place where you could get work. Yep. It was a place where I mean, you mean a union in the sense that people could support each other? Yeah, and that we gathered together that it was a place where it was like a union hall. Yeah, that, yeah, what yeah. We, right, we right, hadn't right. really organized. Yeah. But it was a place where comics could gather. Yeah. As opposed to a club, a comedy club. Right. You know, that it was a club where comics could get together and sit around and they and and all of a sudden you were in the room with the that generation of comics which had already left the clubs right who'd gone through all sorts of their stuff and you could sit around with like freddie roman yeah and, and uh, malzy lawrence malzy, and dick capri and... dick capri and they were and you'd get to see him work yeah and you'd go you know that you, and you'd sit there and go that joke isn't funny and it's i'm laughing my ass yeah off. the presentation those guys would show up and they'd come to the club with a hanger, with a, with a, you know, a valise. And they would go into the men's room and they would take a steam and a shower and then they would put on their clothes. Yeah. And the famous thing was always they would never put on their pants until right before they went on because they wanted the, yeah. the priest to, yeah. be, to be firm. And they, their shoes were polished. And I remember, uh, uh, who was the guy? Alan King had a briefcase. 
because he had a certain type of vodka that he liked and he would open it in the green room and it had a glass and it had the fruit in a baggie and it had his vodka and he would set it up and these guys were just this is what they did for yeah. 40 years yeah and, and, the, and uh, uh, go on i'm sorry oh, and that and the act didn't necessarily change a lot but you didn't care. You really enjoyed hearing some of the same jokes over and over again because the presentation was so great. The, the, it, the delivery was something that we got something from and took it to a different place. Yeah. But those guys knew how to tell. They would tell a, they would tell a story as well as you could tell a story. Yes. It, it, just within a joke. And uh, which is, you know, you know and, and I worked with... Uh, uh, speaking of the, the uh, Alan King reminded me, I worked with Shelley Berman once, oh, which wow. was like great. Yeah. In a theater in Arizona. And um, and he was just just a, a sweetheart, but as neurotic as anybody yeah, I've ever yeah, worked. Right. He made you and I look so, so sane. <laughs> but he, 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 he sat on he has, his act, he would sit on the stool. He would yeah. sit on the stool. And uh, he brought that stool everywhere. He no, brought, he didn't. No, I'm oh, no. <laughs> you, know, you imagine he yeah. brought the stool on the plane. He had a thing. He, I'm back in the. I'm back there. I, he's putting the stool away. That's I'm crazy. Going, I'm going. You do this every. I said, and I literally because. Uh, I and I did that thing. You know, I, I had no. I went. You're out of your fucking mind. Yeah. Yeah. What are you kidding me? <laughs> And he said, I said, why do you do that? I said, I, I use a different st stool, but I don't sit on the stool. But why do you do this? And he said, um, because those stools change height and I want it. Right. This is this is what I do. And uh -huh. this is this is what I'm comfortable and I'm, this is what makes. And I went, OK, yeah. but wow. Yeah, his I security mean, blanket. But yeah, and that it was the it was that was his set. Yeah, I mean, his right. his physical set. Right. It, you know, didn't he used to sit on a stool and pull a newspaper out and read from the newspaper? That was Mort Saul. Oh, that was Mort Saul. Yeah. Okay. Shelley Berman told stories. Yeah. And then got on the phone and then got upset because, because um, what Bob Newhart Bob got Newhart he got on the and phone then, and like, then Ellen DeGeneres. Yeah. yeah. Right. And uh, and it really it, <laughs> it, I'm going. It's two different phones. <laughs> you fucking. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but those two had a big effect on me, both Berman and Newhart. Yeah, because of just because they were so present and were mm -hmm. the and were breakthrough comics. You yeah. know, were had albums beside before. Uh, you know, I'm listening. To, we're just around the time when you know when um, when George is breaking toward coming out and and, and going. Uh, you know. Really, you know, just going, okay, that's it. Go fuck yourselves. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, but yeah. that. And, uh, uh, but I remember that, did you ever see Catskills on Broadway? Which was no, all, I, all the friars. No, I know, I know, I never did see it. It was the most beautiful moment because here's these guys that came up in the 40s and 50s going to the Catskills and they would start out as barkers and they had this job where you were paid as a comedian to mingle and be funny. There was no stage or spotlight. There was no microphone. But they wanted the camps. They were basically adult summer camps yeah. that people would go to. There's bungalows and pools. And, and it was all Jewish. And they would walk around and just be funny. And cheer up the crowd. Yeah. And just be goofballs. And then if they were good enough, then they got to go on stage. Yeah. And then they became great comics. And then they worked... You know, the Playboy Clubs, and they if they were lucky, they got to open for Sinatra or Tony Bennett or Vic Damone. Yeah. And they made a really nice living, and they bought houses in New City, uh, which was halfway between the Catskills yeah, and the city. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Wow. And then they... Wow, New City, which is where I play golf now. Oh, really? Yeah. And so then they hit this kind of lull where the big touring acts weren't doing it that way anymore, and they were too old for the stand-up comedy clubs that were breaking out. So they did Jewish country clubs, and they did. Yeah. What's the condos down in Florida that they uh, all yeah, play? Yeah, I know uh, the. Oh God, the villages. The, the villages. Yeah, yeah, the villages. And so you know they were getting by, and then all of a sudden Freddie Roman, who was my sponsor at the Friars Club, is that right? Uh, he d came up with this idea, and he said we're going to Broadway, and he got uh, Dick Capri, Malcolm Lawrence, Lawrence, and who was the woman that? The did woman it? was goddamn Adrian or no? No, it wasn't Adrian Tolsch. No. It was somebody who did, did she do voices? Yeah. 
Just did voices. And I can't think that's as far as I'll it look goes. it up and I'll and, say it in the intro. And the later. train wrecked. Yeah. That's where the train I watched it then just went into flames. And yeah. I, <laughs> I saw her I saw her charred remains and I can't remember the name. <laughs> Fucking unbelievable. Yeah, I'm gonna get her dental records and I'll say it in the intro. <laughs> but they uh, but they went on Broadway and it turned into a hit. And yeah. people were lining up to go see these guys who were doing jokes about the old days in the Catskills and being Jewish. And and it was totally accessible. I mean, I'm an Irish kid that grew up in the 70s. Yeah. And I'm watching it. And I'm, like you said, it's the delivery. It, it, and, and it was, here's a story. I get to go sit and watch somebody else's story. And they didn't preclude you from it. They yeah. explained. I yeah. remember him saying one of his jokes was, uh, so this schmuck... And for, and for you non-Jews out there, a schmuck is a guy that gets out of the shower to take a piss. <laughs> really. um, and so they had this nice comeback and it was just really, it, it was really nice. Yeah, no, it was really, I mean, it, and we got a lot out of the, the club because of that. You yeah, know? right. And, uh, and then you also, and then there were those who they're always worth, whose names I don't even remember, but the... That were the you got I don't I hope I don't end up like that schmuck. Yeah, you know? right, right, right. There were the, those around. There were those who, and then they, then they did that thing where they, you know, you knew we were fading as soon as they started. Let's get other people. Let's get guys who want to be in the club but aren't really comics. And then that was when right. it started to begin right. to crash and burn. Yeah, I think it was like there was a membership rate if you were in the entertainment business, yeah. and then there was a higher rate if you were a furrier yeah. or, you know, yeah, in the insurance. There was a lot of furriers. That's really good, <laughs> a furrier. Wow. And, and so... He we, said, Joe, they'll boycott this episode just because you said the word furrier. <laughs> and then we do these shows like, you know, Ruth Stern is one oh, of these wow. women who is... Oh, wow. That's, I can't believe we remembered that name. Yeah. We remember that name and we didn't remember the other name. Right. And she would come out and she would book comedians and they, she would do was these Jewish country clubs. And when we were struggling, and you were one of these guys, like you, there was like you and Ray Romano and... A couple of the people that everybody watched every night and went, this guy's a fucking star. Like, what's going on? And you were just going up and doing your $20 spots like everybody yeah, else yeah. and Ray's doing his $20 spots. And then all of a sudden, it just fucking, it exploded. But at that time, these Jewish country clubs were a really nice paycheck. Yeah. And you were used to getting 20 bucks. Yeah, no kidding. Drive out to Long Island and, you know, make a couple grand or whatever. Yeah, but I never did. I never got that. Oh, you didn't do those? No, I got one. Really? Yeah. And there was one I had, when the Catskills was dying, I had like a bungalow colony or something up there. Yeah, uh, sure, but 800 bucks, fuck me. Yeah, 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 right, right. So what did you do during those years? I would say this would have been like the 90s for well, you, like eight, I, late 80s to, to Well, then I, I was running the West Bank. I ran this that club, the right. West Bank, and uh, that's what I ran. And then they, and then I, in the late... About 1991, I go, the West Bank, we get thrown out of the West Bank because they think that Steve Olson, who was running it, was making a fortune off of doing one-act plays, which is what we were doing in the basement. Really? Yeah, he had two, he had two, uh, two partners that, that he referred to as Null and Void. And, they, and they, they thought that he was, like, scamming them for money. And, uh -huh. and it was like, no, you idiot. This is, this is what we're doing. So they right. said, well... We're going to take it over. Well, they took it over, and then so I moved over and started working at, at Catch, and then and then Catch Rising Star yeah, on the east side, yeah, on the east side, and from there I moved, and then they started moving me into their clubs, uh -huh. and then and then I just started. I went on the road, and yeah. I, I just started working whenever I could, right, and I've right. been with my agent Roger Paul. Roger Paul, oh my God, Roger Paul, Tony Camacho. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, Tony Camacho was this guy, he was a black guy, he was an agent, and he drives me out one night to uh, somewhere in like Rockland County or North Jersey, and we're doing a country club date. And I don't know why the fuck he's coming with me. I think we were good friends and he just wanted to hang out. Yeah. And so the name of the uh, club, it was a country club, it was called the White Beaches. And so we're driving to get there and we, and there's no GPS back there. I don't know yeah, if we had yeah. a map, but we got lost and we stopped for directions and, and we, he rolls down the window and he goes, excuse me, where's the white beaches at? 
<laughs> and as we say it, we just start laughing. I don't know if we even got the directions because we started laughing so hard. <laughs> so were those lean years? Were you a Hell's Kitchen guy back then? Is yeah, that where you no, lived? Yeah, I was living in Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, so were those lean years for you? Well, I mean, the, working at the West Bank was lean, but it was great. Yeah. You know, because I, the only thing that I lacked was health insurance. Otherwise, yeah. I was, you know... Right. I didn't have any money in the bank, but I had money. I had always had money. Nothing right. that would be allow me to get anything special. But you know, I was fine. Right. And then, and then when I started working the clubs, uh, it was initially just enough, and then it kind of, then it started to work. But even just just that income was was more because I made the transition at around ninety. I was I had a play done in uh, in Houston, Texas at a and Rusty wrote the music. I wrote the book. Rand, who was the director down there, it, it, the, the director at the, at the West Bank, we all, we, we'd done this. Now we're going to expand. It was a one act. We're going to expand it to two acts. It had been like a 75-minute musical. We're going to make it 90. We take it down there. And they just fuck us over every possible way. And, uh, and so I... And I'm supposed to stay on down there. I got no money to do what I'm doing. I'm making just enough. Right. Uh, we have to get rid of one of the actors, and um, and we're at a major. This is a a major repertory theater, right. uh, the Alley Theater. Are you in it, or are you just producing? No, it? I'm just. We're, I wrote the okay. I wrote the book. Right. Rusty wrote the music and right. lyrics. Rand's directing. We got actors from New York. Uh, they uh, we one of the actors that we've said nope we needed they we're supposed to have a certain amount of New York actors they lied about it and then we said nope we need to get the other we need this other actor from New York they uh, they took money from uh, Rusty and I to pay for the actor oh, no so shit. now I'm making less then it was I was supposed to be able to stay on because we're rewriting and Rusty had Rusty had a family at that point he's going to go back but I'm going to stay there and watch it and try to figure out what we need to do to rewrite it right. they were supposed to give me just a place to stay I have zip money they go well we can't give you a place to stay we 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 don't have that I'm going okay you fuck yeah. so I go across town to a place I don't know if you uh, spellbinders not not the um, not the Houston Club which was a great fucking place that I can't think of the name of uh, Laugh Stop Laugh Stop yeah so Mark I, Babbitt Mark Babbitt yeah. and I go across town to this place called Spellbinders which was comedy and magic uh huh and I audition there and I'm doing okay. I mean I'm, I'm I got enough chops that I can headline but it takes it really needs I need to kill yeah when I'm auditioning and I kill uh-huh. and I do 15, 15 minutes and he comes up he goes that's great he said you know I have a fallout in four weeks uh, would you want to come back and headline uh-huh. I said sure he said well, we'll give you the same amount of money $1,500 same amount I was getting for a play that I spent three years working uh-huh. on $1,500 going to put you up in this hotel better uh-huh. place than where I'm staying and we're going to give you a car Rusty and I had to rent a car I'm going Ball yeah, game's over. Right. Goodbye, theater. Right. I'm done. I'm yeah, not. but you're not done because you used to go up to uh, the uh, Williamstown, Williamstown in Massachusetts yeah. in the summers. And right. Care. Yeah. No, I, I came back because I could afford to to hang out. <laughs> it was a hobby at that point. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. And because they actually it was a transition from from at that point when I started doing that, we uh, things were starting to take off a bit. But it was really uh, a way that I could. Um, get a, a supplement to my income mm-hmm. that I needed yeah. and, uh, and got to teach stand up and, and did like two or three plays a summer did in small roles. And I ended up, I ended up because of all that of getting a, a, a you know, a, a pension, a pension from, from equity, from equity. Any, uh, yeah. any of your students ever go anywhere? Not that I know. Of. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> No, it's too bad because oh, some of them. I sworn you were going to say somebody good there. <laughs> no, but there were some really. I had some people, kids who were terrific. Yeah. And I, what was, and they went on and must have done other things. Because it was remarkable. I mean, I'll run into a few of them now and then, and I will. And then they'll tell me that I said, "What stories you do?" And I remember them immediately. Yeah. But they, they would go. They these kids would. I would say. Um, Whatever you do afterwards, don't get in touch. Okay, this is it. <laughs> yeah. Because all yeah. I was doing was I'm trying. I'm not to, a mentor. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Yeah. I'm, what I'm doing is trying to give you the experience of stand up and give you a monologue 
So if you have to go audition for something, right. this is the monologue you're going to use rather than, you know, something from, uh, from like the glass menagerie right. or whatever. You, every, they're going to hear a thousand monologues that you're going to do that don't be, you're another, you, this will define, you know, because the nice thing about stand-up is it basically defines when you're up there doing it, it defines who you are. Yeah. And so that the, the schmuck who is the uh, casting director can go, oh, right. they could do this. And they remember you. Yeah. So hopefully they use that. But what was funny was is I would tell them, don't, so don't get in touch. And, and then I'd take one or two aside that were really stellar and go, look, um, I'm just going to tell you if you ever want to try this while you're waiting around for theater, um, do it. Yeah. It'll allow you to get up. It'll allow you to can, and that's really what I told all of them. Get up there. Right. This will allow you. You've got, you've got, uh, you know, comics who are competing for your jobs. Go compete for their jobs. Right. Be, right. Be, yeah. But at least it's you'll be. You don't need to go to a. You, you know, this is a way in which you can continue to work without. Uh, you know, until you, you know, what you're going to do in between. This will let you, gives you, it's stage time. Right, right, right. So, and, but none of the ones that I ever told to get in touch, got in touch. But every well, so often. Tanglewood. You're not getting the gritty <laughs> yeah. urban stand-up comics that are like, you know, going after it. But what's funny is. They're going to see James Taylor after <laughs> class in the grass. But yeah. the, what was funny was the, 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 there always was the one, and it happened twice, that I have the, the, the my feeling is is that um, there are people who don't have a you know that my feeling is is that there isn't anyone who, who everyone has a sense of humor yeah and that's a myth but but it's it, but and the reason everyone uh, there are people who don't have a sense of humor is because it's a muscle that is never taught right. it's a muscle that you go through school and nobody ever teaches comedy mm -hmm. in any form from the time you go through public education mm -hmm. and so. Uh, you know, so, so, but I, two of these kids who the muscle was, I didn't think the muscle was even in the room, Yeah. but those were two who approached me. Yeah. And I came to New York once, uh, when I was still kind of wandering in and out and, and um, uh, you know, coming out from being on the road and I'd come in and I went to some, some, some room to see somebody who was, I knew who was, and, uh. Uh, and not a big, not a club club, but just a, and and there was this kid who was just not funny. Yeah. On stage, still not being funny. Yeah. And still doing it. And yeah. I was like, well, what are you going to do? You know, you got to admire the. Well, dude, know. how many guys at the comic strip, guys that were at the comic strip every night, six nights a week for 20 years with no progress. I mean, I'm not yeah. gonna name names, but you, yeah. you, you, yeah. you, you don't even know the names, but you know the faces. Yeah, exactly. Because you saw them sitting at yeah. the bar yeah. and they'd get up at 1.15 and you just wanted to pull them aside and go, but then you go, why? Why? Yeah. This guy's probably a postal worker. Yeah. He comes out at night, he's having a blast, he gets to hang out with Louis C.K. Yeah. and Todd Barry and, and then he gets to be a comic. Yeah. So what? He's not hurting anybody. No, it's really, but it's... And in the end, I, I've always thought, too, that it was... Uh, the other thing about doing stand-up was is it certainly gave you a sense of... Uh, if you did it, you ended up with self-confidence. Yes. You, you may not be funny, but you'd be... You, if, you're, if you get up there and you do that in front of a whole bunch of people enough, you know, it's not going to be tough. Isn't it amazing when you see somebody hit a new gear confidence-wise? No. Yeah. It's uncanny. I mean, I, I've seen it happen with, saw it happen with Gaffigan, yeah. Geraldo, all those guys. They just suddenly figured out, I, I don't even want to put into words because it's not, I don't want to say all the cliches, he found his voice or whatever, but there's just some point where you don't give a shit yep. and then it kicks in. The second you don't give a shit, all of a sudden you walk on stage and you can explore jokes that yeah. you wouldn't have explored before. And you don't care if they don't work because it's getting you closer to where you really want yeah. to be. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. I hope I hit it at some point, Lewis. You will. <laughs> All um, right, listen, before you go, I want to mention that you've got uh, some tour dates coming up. We mentioned before. What's the name of that you named your tour? My, the name of my tour is uh, Off the Rails. Okay, well, there you go, Lewis. You came up with a name for your tour. Now you're officially <laughs> a comedian. <laughs> Uh, tour date's coming up October 21st in Cincinnati. Yep. Uh, October 26th in Knoxville. Yep. 
the 27th in Birmingham. And Alabama. Biloxi, Grand Rapids, South Dakota, Fargo, North Dakota. I, I'm not mentioning the ones that are sold out. Yeah. These are the ones that still have tickets. Yeah, Most yeah. of the shows are sold out. No, but thank you. No, it says on your, it says fuck off on it. No. Yeah, no, on your website. It's, no, it's the fuck you fan club. Oh, I thought that meant fuck you. We got no tickets left. No, that's very kind. <laughs> Maybe that's what's happening. No, what it means, I have a fan club called Fuck You. Oh, and this is what it is. Here's how amazing people are. You, you put that out there. So for 20 bucks, what it allows you to do is to not have to deal with Ticketmaster. Yeah. So, and it's 20 bucks, which is less than Ticketmaster. Right. And a human being has to deal with the, the tickets, sales, and everything. You get tickets in the first 10 rows. Right. So you get, you're going to get the best seats in the house that are, that, and you don't have to deal, and you talk to a human being. Yeah. And the ticket is there. And when you arrive there, you get the, you get a real ticket, not this bullshit with uh, Ticketmaster. And people still go, well, you fucking boy, you're making a fortune off of this. Shut the yeah, fuck, you know. It's, right. No, what you're doing is you're, you're allowing people not to get scalped. Right. Or to, it's like stop pushing that button because it's driving you into the wrong lane, which mm -hmm. will take you to StubHub, and then you'll pay 700 bucks for the mm -hmm. ticket that you would have paid. So, so that's the, the fan club is called, the, is called Fuck You. Well, I'm leaving out some dates, everybody. If you want to see all of them, he's also going to Saginaw, Michigan, Kalamazoo, Travis City, City. Troy, New York, Peekskill, Waterbury, Connecticut. And then somehow you're going to make your way to New London, Connecticut the next night, all the way from Waterbury. Yep. Isn't that the same audience? I don't know. There's uh, there's a big, uh, you know, a big water there, and there's no bridge, and they have to paddle over. I have no idea. Look, this is that so, what Chappaquiddick is? You no, know, Chappaquiddick. And then uh, Rocky. But, yeah, that is funny. It is Waterbury to New London, it, but they're kind of far apart. It's yeah. an hour and a half or some right. shit. Uh, and then he, this goes all the way through May, where you end up with some dates in Europe. Um, you yeah. know, obviously. Uh, there's very few people in the business that, that have made it to the point of uh, success that you did and the respect in my heart that I have for oh, you. thank and you. Thanks for Well, you know, it's a pleasure to see you. you yeah, know, just, yeah. You know, because, I, I, you know, because the thing is, is this is, you know this, people, you move out, people move out here and then they, to us, and the, we, we, we disappear. Yeah. Right. You know, because right. you've got, you all of a sudden sired a child and mm -hmm. uh, the child got way older than it should be <laughs> <laughs> under your tutelage. I know. Jesus. But that's so, it's great to be able yeah. to, you know, to be able to talk. As opposed to five minutes at the back of a comedy club where yeah, you yeah. say hi and all that. So, yeah, you know. this was great. Thank yeah. you so much, man. Thank you. All right. Take care.